Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 162. And today, we're going to be looking at one... Actually, this is a continuation of last week, because last week we looked at what has been come to be called the Sermon on the Mount, really famous, famous body of teaching from Jesus. And, you know, Jesus was a very, very practical teacher, He taught about things that we all grapple with and struggle with. Uh, So when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll be in this text for a few weeks, he speaks about things like anger and broken relationships. He speaks about things like he teaches on, you know, what happens when, when you hold on to grudges? Or what happens when you are faced with someone who is really not loyal at all, an unfaithful spouse or partner? You know, how do you navigate life when your marriage or your partnership is just falling apart? It is really not what you hoped it would be. Yeah, these are all relationship issues, aren't they? Um, and, and Jesus, the bulk of his teaching is really all about relationships. It's relational. What do you do when people come against you and make your life miserable? I mean, how many of us have had miserable bosses? It's horrible, isn't it? Or what about in-laws who, or conflicted family members And they just make everybody's life miserable. Very common, very common. Worry, anxiety, all common things. And all of these subjects, and more than that, are all found in what we have come to call the Sermon on the Mount, which is actually found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There's a number of chapters, obviously, we can't possibly cover three chapters. I'm just going to cover a tiny section today. But, you know, I mentioned last week that this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would have taught this many, many times over his three years here teaching. Uh, We kind of have a condensed version. But, you know, people, us, we need to hear things many times before the penny drops. You know, sometimes we're just not ready to hear something. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't want to hear anything. So you can hear teachings for many, many times, and then it's like one day it makes sense. Because that's kind of the way spiritual growth works and emotional growth works the same way. It doesn't happen all at once we learn, kind of slowly, I think, too. So back to Jesus, you know, mostly his teaching is about keeping relationships in order. Uh, It's actually not about rule keeping. The big misunderstanding is, is that following Christ is about keeping a lot of rules. So people who really don't know anything about the faith tradition of Christianity assume that it's all about, you know, keeping particular rules. It's actually not about keeping a lot of rules. 
Jesus was far more interested in protecting relationships. He didn't really give any new rules. <laughs> really didn't give a lot of new things. It's almost like for Jesus, it's like, well, you've got enough rules, you know? You know the commandments, so what else do you need, you know? <laughs> what else do you need? You know, when somebody asked him, what's the most important rule? He said, the most important thing is, is that you learn how to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. It's like, okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you do that by learning how to love people and learning how to love yourself. Yeah. You spend your lifetime learning how to love people and learning how to love yourself. That's what loving God looks like. You don't need any other rules. You don't need any other rules. That's going to keep you on track. So today, um, let's take a look at this text here. Because last week I looked at what we call the Beatitudes, the blessings. Remember that? He laid out this code of behavior for his new group. It's, uh, it's like, okay, now that you're going to follow me, I'm going to show you what it looks like to live as God's people in this world. It's really a way of living and being and relating. It's, it's a little bit similar to, you know how in your most important relationships or in your family, there will be, you'll have certain values. You'll say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to be in a relationship with someone where I can't be honest. Or I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who isn't kind. Or I don't want to be in a setting where I am seeing someone every day that isn't truthful, right? You, you have certain values that are very important to you. Now, the same thing happens in our spiritual life. Jesus would say, yeah, now that you're part of the family of God, let's just use the family metaphor, now that you're part of the family of God, there are certain ways that we live in this world. When you align yourself with me, what's going to happen is, is that you're going to change. And when you change, over time, that changes everything and everyone else around you. That's just the way it is in anything, right? If you change how you behave in a relationship, good or bad, it's going to affect how the other person responds. It's just the way that it's set up, right? So for Jesus, it's like when you align yourself to me, when, you, when you're concerned about following God's ways in this world, you're going to change, and that's going to impact everyone around you. And last week I mentioned that he starts to, with the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to describe his followers. And he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's basically describing people who follow me, saying, yeah, they're blessed. Why? Because they're poor in spirit. They really are depending on God. They know that they're poor alone and that life is just too hard. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. 
Why? Well, because they know where their comfort comes from. Because they've experienced it. They know that God is going to get them through no matter what, whatever grief, whatever mourning, whatever loss, God's going to be there for them. That's a blessed state to live in. Or blessed are the meek. Well, meekness is all about restrained strength. So he's saying, yeah, this is what, this is what my people learn this. They learn to restrain their strength. They know when to say something. They know when to be quiet. They know when to be gentle. They know when to be forceful. They know, they know when to hold back. They're meek. By the way, meekness has nothing to do with weakness. It's, all, it's, it's got a lot to do with self-control and how you use your strength. So he said things like that, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's will in every area of their life. Yeah, because they're going to see things happen. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Remember, we looked at that one last week. He said, this is what happens when you follow me. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers, right? Peacekeepers are people that just pretend everything's okay when it's not. Yeah, we're not talking about, you know, pushing everything underneath the carpet and pretending, oh, uh, yeah, we're at peace here. But really, inside, internally, we're just a bundle of nerves because there's no peace at all. No, Jesus said no. When you follow me, you really learn how to be a peacemaker rather than the more common approach, which would be, oh, just push it under the carpet, don't say anything, don't cause any trouble. That's kind of a more common way, right, of dealing with conflict, isn't it? Yeah, Jesus would say that's not peace. There's nothing blessed about that, nothing good about that. That just leads to internal unrest. There's nothing good about internal unrest. So for Jesus, he's always pushing for true harmony in relationships, not a surface harmony, not a pretend harmony, not simply avoiding conflict. He was never... He never shied away from truth-telling, which actually, in Jesus' life and in our life, invariably leads to conflict. So <laughs> that's just the way it is. You want to grow. Uh, you want to be at peace with yourself. You want to have authentic relationship. Yeah, well, at times, speaking the truth will lead to conflict. So there's just a little quickie application there. You know, are you learning to be truthful when you're in situations of potential conflict? Because sometimes there really is no other way to find true peace. So, but that's kind of all recap. I, I spoke about this a lot last week. You know, that's whole idea, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to take on another beatitude today which is such a foundational one blessed are the pure in heart they shall see God 
This is such a fascinating one. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're the ones that will have clarity. They are the ones that will see God's way. They are the ones that will know what to do, what to say. They're the ones that are on track, aligned, the pure in heart. Now, of course, a caveat, pure, this whole idea of being pure, pure in heart. By the way, the heart in the New Testament is your innermost being, right? We're not talking about your heart, heart. (laughs) We're talking about your innermost self. Pure in heart, that word pure, original language, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you never make mistakes. Because since we're human, that's never going to happen, right? We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to get to the point where we make, where we don't make mistakes. So when we're talking about pure in heart, this has got nothing to do with some sort of perfection. It's a fascinating word in the original language. You know, the New Testament was written in New Testament Greek. The word pure means unmixed. That's all it means. It just means unmixed. So a pure heart, in the way that Jesus is talking about it, would mean a person where there is no mixed motives. It's straight up. It's what you see is what you get. Uh, yeah, unmixed. That's what purity is in this context, Matthew 5. So let me give you an example. Someone might be very generous with their money, but they might also talk about it all the time. You've maybe met people like this, right? They're always talking about how much they give or how much they help. And, uh, and maybe they do give and maybe they do help. But the mixed motive is, is that what they're, what they're really saying is, look at me, look how important I am, see how generous I am, And what they're really doing is looking for attention and praise. So that's an example of a mixed motive in giving. It's actually pretty common. You know, someone might give a lot of time to helping someone in need or helping a particular cause. But the problem is, as they continually remind others how much they're doing. So they're not just giving for the sake of giving. They're actually giving to be affirmed and to be praised and get the attention of other people. That's a mixed motive for giving as far as Jesus is concerned. That is not a pure heart. In fact, he had a lot to say on this subject. It's a whole other subject, but he did have a lot to say in it. He would say things like, look, The right hand doesn't need to know what the left hand's doing. Nobody needs to know. If you do something for someone else, nobody needs to know about that. God knows that's enough, right? You don't need to be working for people's approval. What do you need people's approval for, Jesus would say? You have God's approval. 
grow into that. So for Jesus, and this applies to every act of giving or good deed or kindness or helping, he'd say, that's between you and God. That's enough. That's enough. Which, by the way, is quite a growth edge if you have low self-esteem when you think about it. That's not an easy place to come to that, you know, the good things you do, you know, you're getting affirmed straight from God. That's a whole other level of growth, isn't it? So back to this pure heart. A pure heart, blessed are the pure in heart, he says. And by the way, I should mention this. He is describing followers, meaning describing us. Not just, describe, not just describing the first followers. He's saying this is the way it is in the family of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the ones that have a single agenda. It's fairly straightforward. The single agenda is, uh, what's God's way here? What's the best thing? What would God approve of here? What would be the most helpful thing here? So blessed are the pure in heart is one who has learned to discern one's motives. So it's like before we act, before we speak, before we correct, before we confront, it's like, hmm, let, me, let me just stop here. Before we make the decision, let me, let me just stop here and pause. This is what prayer is, by the way. Let, let me just stop here and pause and have a think about this. What's my motive? Why do, I, why do I want to do this? Whatever this is, right? Before I move ahead, is, is, my, is my heart pure? Am I unmixed in motive? Am I doing this for the right reason? Why am I choosing this direction? Is this direction, does this sound like this direction would be something that would be pleasing to God. Whom am I pleasing? Now, the, I suppose the, the struggle is, is that sometimes when we're honest, we are pleasing ourselves. It really has nothing to do with anybody else and it's nothing to do with God. We just want it because we want it. Um, yeah, Sometimes that's fine because we're on track and it's good and it's helpful to ourselves, it's helpful to others, and it's absolutely in line with what we would believe would be God's will. But uh, sometimes it's not. It's really mixed. It's really mixed. It's not pure at all. There's something in it for us. It's not necessarily for the better of someone else or a situation. It's because we benefit in some way. It's because we are right in some way, because we get what we want in some way. So for Jesus, the pure in heart, that's a really important family value. That's very important to him. Um, and not just found in the New Testament, by the way. One of the famous Psalms, you'll recognize this line, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Remember Psalm 51? 
traditionally attributed to David, and you know his story. Don't have time to go into it, but check out David's story with Bathsheba, and you will know why he writes this prayer. Because he was completely conflicted, and his motives were completely mixed. So when David wrote that prayer, you know, he had come to the conclusion, oh God, I... I really messed up and I did something and my motives were completely wrong and now it's a mess and now I really need your help. <laughs> Traditionally known as confession, right? That's what that's all about. So for Jesus, the pure in heart, so very, very important. And he said, you know, when you live this way, this is a guarantee. You are the salt of the earth. This is the end result. This is, the, this is a world changer. In fact, not only are, are you the salt of the earth, which was one of his descriptions of us, he says, you're the, you're the light of the world. It's like, really? Me? Now, remember, salt in the ancient times was used to preserve food because there was no fridges in Jesus' day, right? So salt would preserve their fish and protect it from spoiling. So salt was really a lifesaver. So when Jesus is looking around his little group, his first group, and he's saying, you know what? You men and women are the salt of the earth. He's basically saying to them, you're going to change this world. You're going to change your family. You're going to change your workplace. You're going to change your church. You're going to change your household. You're going to be the, the game changer in any relationship. Why? Well, because you're aligning yourself to what is good and true and right. And that makes a difference. Your light, your light. And you know what light does? It illuminates, it shows us things, it reveals things. Light sort of is, how would you say light? Light is a revealer of truth. And yes, truth can certainly be messy at the front end. And, uh, you know, when you do the right thing for the right reasons... Yes, sometimes definitely it can cause hassle and conflict. There's no doubt about that. But the end result is, he's saying, you will see and you will know God's ways. Blessed are the, pu the pure in heart. And so it's, it's like the heart cry is, God, you know, I, yeah, unmixed motives. I'm, I would like that. As, I'm, I'm, as I think about my life, as I think about and whatever dilemma that you're facing today, this is how it really is applied. It's like in this relationship or in my workplace or in my family, show me what it looks like to have unmixed motives. Help me to just, for, even if it's just for a moment, Put my ego to the side, myself to the side, so that I can see things clearly 
so that I have a chance of walking in your way. And there's the prayer, there's the heart cry for all the different things that we're facing today, all the different dilemmas that we have today. There's our prayer and our heart cry. Yeah, creating us clean hearts, pure hearts, that we can see things, see people, situations as they truly are, not as they appear to be. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for more on the Sermon on the Mount.